a very, very, very special edition of Who Gives a Hoot. It's our 2021 USL League One and Union Omaha season preview. And to help deliver the best content in all of USL League One, we've brought the entire WGAHmedia.com team with us. Uh, we'll go around the virtual table, uh, starting with Luke. Let's have everybody introduce themselves. Uh, do I have to? No. Uh, <laughs> <I'm>, uh, <laughs> well, that was Luke. I'm Ryan. Uh, also joining us are Liam. Hi, everyone. This is Liam, Kansas, graduating this year. You may have read my stories, and I'm the, the best hair on the team. <laughs> Facts. Uh, Rich. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, super producer Riley. Super duper producer Riley. Hello, I am here. And uh, the smartest man in USL League One. And Ryan. I heard Liam give like a full introduction and everybody else just say what's up. So I'm confused. <laughs> uh, Liam, I no, Liam was the one that was confused. It's called narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you learned, uh, not gonna make any father-in-law jokes. Moving on. Uh, all right. So, uh, we're going to probably break this into two parts. Uh, we're going to start out part one with a league and, uh, Rich, have we published the fantastic article you wrote on changes to USL league one this season? I have not seen it posted yet, but, uh, I think everybody will enjoy that article once it is, uh, posted. We're going to get it posted between now and when the podcast comes out. Good. But for those who haven't gone to our website and read it yet, do you want to give us a summary of what the major changes we can expect for 2021 in USL League One are? Yeah. So when you see the article, you'll see that there are a couple teams that are no longer in League One. You'll also see that there are a couple teams that are added into the, the list of competitors. And then they've made a change to the playoff uh, format how substitutions work, and they even made a special drop this season of airing the first uh, USL League One match on ESPN2. I'm really excited about that. And then I believe there are also some like, literal rule changes, right, with uh, like concussion protocol and substitution. There are. Yep, there like are. That. Could you give us a overview of those? So just like last season... We saw five substitutions, regular substitutions, that any team could use during three windows of a, of a match. The league decided to add two more subs, but to specify them as concussion substitutions. Now, if one team decides to use one of those concussion substitutions, the other team is gifted a regular substitution that they can use for any player uh, given the circumstances. Um, so it's it's a, a different rule, but it's it's going to provide an in interesting wrinkle to the to the drama. So we could theoretically see up to seven substitutions in a given game. Correct. Oh, uh, I'm going to throw this out to everybody. Uh, I personally was a big fan of the five substitutions last year. And in a time we're recording this on Monday, the 19th of April, a.k.a day one post-European Super League announcement. Um, in a time when there's a lot of, 
you know, meaningful turmoil. Uh, do you guys like or not like the change to five substitutions? Uh, well, this is just a continuation of what USL has been trying to do for years. Because USL was the first league or leagues, I, I guess at this point, uh, to institute the five substitution rule, which was then forced back to the the, the standard, but, but then allowed um, at COVID. And it seems as though they're going to continue on with the five substitution, which seems to be becoming more of the norm across international football as well. I so, mean, yes, I, I like I, it. I like it too. I think the thing I like about it the most is they, um, it, they regulate when you can, so it's not like you can do five separate substitutions. You have to do them in chunks of three. Really the concussion one is only an extra one. If it's specifically a head injury, you, know, you need to use that substitution. So it's not, it's not like you can get seven every game. Um, now, I know I've, I've heard other people talk about gamesmanship and, and teams trying that. And I don't think a lot of teams are going to try that, but I think it's a good thing to at least test out and see how that works. But I think the five makes the most sense. They is used to not have any subs at all. Now, and now we're getting up to where they need to have more, you know? Yeah. I got to change. Caveat. Change happens. I got a caveat to that. Like, if they're going to do five substitutions, then I don't agree with having the water break in between the halves. I, I think that would just make it really, really pointless. So either you have the water break and three subs, or you don't have the water break and have the five subs. So when you say water break in, be in between the halves, you're not, you're not talking about halftime, right? You're talking I mean, about... Yeah, yeah. I like the 75th, 80th minute, whatever. They're not, which they're not doing yeah. anymore, right? It, it was the, the hydration break. Which they did it, uh, they did it during for MLS COVID. games this past weekend. Yeah, I saw it, and I they did it at uh, the Olympic qualifying tournament. If you guys remember that and haven't blacked it out of your mind yet, what are the Olympics? Wait, are Olympics? <laughs> That's the thing. God, the U.S. God, women are going to go in. Been getting the uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind treatments as needed. Yes, Pretty sir. Much. Yeah. Um. I, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be good. Um, uh, we've added, we lost one team and added two new teams back in. Does somebody want to just, in case our listeners are just tuning in, uh, want to talk through those changes? Well, we lost the, the worst team in the league, right? Yeah, they got relegated. No, they, no, no. Madison's still here. <laughs> I have um I, I've decided that if I continue with USL League One prognosticating after this year, I'm just going to um I've started an award. It is called the OCB Memorial Plastic Spoon Award. And it, it it will just it, I will I will present it to the front office of whichever team I think is going to win the wooden spoon. So if they do win the wooden spoon, hopefully then they can convert it. Sorry, I kicked myself. Put that plastic spoon in for a thing. Uh, cool. And then um, we added into the league North Carolina FC dropping down from USLC and Toronto FC2 rejoining uh, the league. Do, well, I, I guess um, JR, do you know if they are playing, you know where they're playing? And are you going to cover that in your team preview? 
Um, yes and no. Hey, we'll uh, <laughs> let's launch. Let's launch right in then can, to can, uh, can our I lead creatures. Was he at answering well, both questions or was he <laughs> saying yes and no? He has the answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I got to ask if, if we if we're really calling them Toronto FC2 or we call Tucson FC2 this year. Is that where the, is that where they're playing? It, it's somewhere down there. It's a, like the first couple of games are at the Barca Academy or something. Oh, let's call them. Uh, let's call them Tucson FC two. That's a hilarious name. Yeah, it's still TFC two, so it works. And besides, I don't think there's any team in the league uh, we actually call by their real name. So, you know. All right. Yeah. So just to bring everybody up to speed, um, listeners and folks on the pod right now. So what we did. Uh, specifically was uh, we sent around a poll to the seven of us and we ranked the 12 teams in USL uh, in the order in which we think they're going to finish the 2021 season. And we will now preview them in reverse order from 12th first. Um, Before we did that, we divvied up the work um, of previewing. And so I'm going to kick it to that person. They're going to take us through a brief preview and then we can kind of talk about why we feel they're going to finish uh, in the place they're going to finish. So uh, let's start with Tucson FC2, a JR. You give us the quick rundown. Um, yes. So thank you for giving me one of the teams that none of us have watched play, most likely because they didn't play in our league last year and did not play any <coughs> professional soccer last year. But um I can tell from Toronto FC2 in general, yes, as was mentioned before, they are not going to start the season in Toronto, but they haven't decided where they're playing the entire season. So it sounds like they're at least playing their first few games in Arizona. And then it sounds like it's up in the air about whether or not they go to Florida, which is where the MLS team is going to be playing some of the season, whether or not they stay there for the rest of the year whether or not they go there with the idea of going back to Toronto at some point. So obviously all of these unknowns has to just, you know, give you so much confidence that you're just going to completely just demolish this league. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's why we're there picked to finish 12th. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Plus they will be playing with a new coach for the first time, the coach that they hired uh, before the start of last season and his name is escaping me right now, even though I was supposed to know who it is. Um, Oh, Mike Munoz. So, um, you know, new coach was, you know, he kept his job, but also Toronto FC had to worry about the MLS club a little bit because the MLS team's head coach, Greg Vanny, unexpectedly resigned to take the LA galaxy job. So who knows when, the Academy started to, you know, get a little bit more attention from the executives at the club. Um, I did not pick Toronto FC two to finish dead last. So I'm a little surprised they were overwhelmingly, I guess, selected to finish last. Can, uh, by the rest of I you. got the, got the deets right here. Three people finished, picked them 12th, one person, 11th, one person, 10th, one person, ninth, and then one person, seventh. I blocked I that when I did out? that. I give a shout out real quick. I know Greg Vanny's niece. She goes to my college. No big deal. Ah. <laughs> Mute yourself. Mute yourself right now. That's the kind of, no, no, that's the kind of notable storylines we need. 
<laughs> if we have if we if we have one piece of inside information like that for the rest of the the teams in this league, we are gonna. This is gonna be the best pot ever. Well, I have failed all of you. Did Liam just shoot his shot on on the podcast? <laughs> I think he did. Ben, I'm gonna make a personal request. Team. Yeah. Uh, call out everybody by by name on their choices so we can shame them later. Ooh, yeah, okay. do. Okay, I gotta mostly pull up. Uh, I gotta pull up a different spreadsheet, but <laughs> it's mostly because I I blacked out when I did it, so I don't remember what I picked. It was like old school. Oh, that sounds that sounds like you did. Uh, Frank the responsible day. for that. Fun. Uh, I'm working on it. I'm just gotta you know set my tabs, view, freeze my uh, one column here. This is, this is great radio. No, no, it's that visual content. Rich, them seven. Yes, I did have them seven. <laughs> you want to defend? You want to defend your seventh place pick? <laughs> oh man, I don't know if you I'm ready to, to do that. Does it matter after sixth place? I mean, honestly. Well, I, can I good point? Defend hey, it for since. Kind of, by all means, you were yeah. the only other person who didn't pick absolute basement. So, when looking at their results from from 2019, it's they seem like the kind of team that it can literally win any game on any day and lose any game on any day, no matter who they're playing and no matter where they're playing. It sounds perfect for an above average um, academy system in the MLS, whose sole purpose is probably not to win matches, but to you know, see what their talent has. Can, can I say I started watching them briefly when we had our team announced and, and most of their games, it was really hard to watch them because this was when they played in Toronto, but they played at like 4 PM Toronto time Airport. because they played at a stadium oh, like a team that we're not going to name until they come up later. But like another team that doesn't have lights at their stadium, they didn't have lights and so they couldn't play evening matches. And so I, I, I wonder sometimes with between traveling to Toronto and um, playing really random times that first season, I, I think they probably caught a few people off guard that way too. Is there a chance Michael Bradley gets dropped and we see him at Warner Park? There is zero chance of that. I, I, <laughs> just I, I mean, I, I'd love to boo him. I, I just love that, but... <laughs> This I saw him. Okay, no, no, no. Here we go. Uh, here's here's another perfectly random story. I saw him in airport security with his girlfriend when I lived in Denver, and he was so freaking short. I was not convinced it was him until <laughs> after we'd both gone through the line. Like I was like ten feet away from the guy for eight minutes, and I was like, "That's probably Michael Bradley." I don't know why he'd be here. And then like I did some digging, and they were like in town for a wedding. But like he is so short, it's unbelievable. I saw that when um, I had a friend that went to Azteca for the uh, the qualifier where he scored his golazo, and he took a picture um, with him and Josie in the airport. And yeah, my my friend who's as short as me was basically Michael Bradley's height. And for those of you listening who don't know me, I'm short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you know it's one of those things where you're like, you, that guy's, you are that guy's my height. I'm not tall. Oh, so he was playing coach. That's that's. I don't know what he was flying. We were just in the, the checkout line, the uh, check-in line or whatever. The, I, like this. I will. I will say this disclaimer for 
for uh, uh, Tucson FC2, uh, is we we don't really know what happened there. It, it last year they loaned a lot of guys to Europe, a lot of guys throughout the Canadian Premier League. Mm-hmm. So throwing them low is kind of just uh, there's not a whole lot of places with the teams that I know things about, but they could be a, a real surprise this year. Uh, JR, I really do like you how you guys are coming to my defense at this moment. <laughs> I guess um, on the bottom half, they, like they're going to be trash. I know that, but I don't. I think I've covered yeah. pretty much everything I can. Without, I think. I think one I, if I think, interesting. Uh, I was saying I think if I were to start if I were to start talking about TFC two anymore, I'd be lying. <laughs> <laughs> I think one one fun fact is uh their right back uh went from the academy to Iowa Western, stayed for almost a year, but never played because of COVID, and then was signed uh to TFC two from Iowa Western. So that's a third reaver least in USL one. Fun fact. Yeah. Very fun fact. All right. Uh, predicted by Who Gives a Hoop Media Empire to finish 11th a Fort Lauderdale CF, also known as or cocaine. Here we go. Rich. I mean, cocaine plus Miami too. <laughs> so a lot of these guys are returning um for a second season with the team you know there's uh probably i think seven guys who are coming back um and most of those guys uh started at least 14 you know matches uh last season so i mean they they have plenty of time on the field they have that established chemistry with each other. It's just a matter of production down the line. There was a player last season, uh, Edison Ascona, um, who was in the postseason awards for the uh, young player of the year. And he ended up getting signed by Inter Miami. So he's actually playing at the MLS, uh, you know, level now. And interestingly enough, he was also called up to the Dominican Republic and uh, Dominican Republic national team recently. So he earned his first cap there, too. Um, so he's uh, he's a fast riser um, in the past year or so. But as far as how that team is going to do, I don't have the greatest optimism in the team. Um, you know, looking at last season's stats, the. Uh, let's see here. They finished 11th, um, four wins, three ties, nine losses. They only scored 15 goals uh, of those um, 16 games. So they weren't even averaging a, a goal a game. And their end of the season goal differential was minus nine. So the fact that they carry on that many players, those veterans that are coming back, I don't have the greatest confidence in them, and I think they're going to finish pretty low in the in the standings again this season. Bill is my all-time favorite Creighton soccer player still playing for them, Ricky Lopez Espin. 
He is, yes. Yep. OJ. Who let Liam on this pod? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. That's me. Oh, well, no, I'm not going to make any. I don't think I can well, safely make any comparisons Is here. it confirmed and they have Pellegrini? I, do you think we're going to see? He's There's no alone. way. Like, they, they loaned him down. But it's like, are they? Yeah. It's not an international transfer window. So I don't see him on the roster. I don't see Ricky Lopez Espin on the roster either. I didn't. I, I thought he was unattached still. But I, I'm just seeing conflicting like, things on uh, Lopez Espin. Sign him, Omaha Kings. Sign him. <laughs> hey, anybody the, but our Kings have done well. <laughs> no need. No need to poison the club. <laughs> what I. What I thought about Fort Lauderdale last year was I thought you could have individually, if you came up with a starting 11 of two t- of two team players, count Tucson last year, because last year they're technically a two team. You probably would have had, I think only North Texas would have had more individual players on that team, maybe than Fort Lauderdale. It's just, they couldn't put anybody decent around them. Yep. Sosa's gone. Ricky Lopez, Espen, however you feel about him, he scored for them last year. He's gone. So they, put trash around them and they might only have trash now. I just, <laughs> I just don't know. And an MLS designated player who was, you know, their most trash MLS DP. That was a pretty consensus pick. Anyone have any objections to them finishing 10? No. Oh, 11th, going- right. 11th. Yeah. 11th. I'm still in last year mode here. 11th. And going back to Ricky Lopez Espin, uh, I am seeing that he looked like he he was released from Fort Lauderdale on December first last year, and he hasn't been picked up by a team yet this season. Um, That's actually kind do, of surprising. He scored some pretty good goals for for Lauderdale last year. That's kind of surprising that not a other USL one team picked him up because he's hey, he scored almost half their goals. Yeah, he was high up on the Golden Boot uh, list last season. I think he scored like six or seven. Yeah. He scored, he scored seven of their 19. Wow. Which, I mean, if you have a player like that on your team, I mean, you might as well re-sign him. I, mean, I, would, guess, <laughs> I would guess there's other issues at play I would, there. Um, I would considering, guess well. Considering the, the stories that have followed him from other places. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if there was. Whoa, Ryan, hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. Just as any <laughs> it's, former it's a, Lansing it's a, fan, uh, it's a cold take. Uh, oh, things things I heard in the trailer last year were uh, no. It's it's not even that. Mm. No, he's not a great player. It's that you know it, it's not worth it. Yeah. You know, there's. Uh, it'd be interesting to see him on Miami FC. It seems like the right team for him. Yeah, and like you guys were talking about earlier with uh, some of the previous thing we were just talking about, I have no anecdotes for him, so I apologize for not having interesting going on there. Oh, no, it's all right. Damn it, Rick. Maybe his cousin goes to school. With I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just want free tickets, man. <laughs> uh, anything else on uh, Fort Lauderdale before we move on to our 10th place team? No, go for it. All right. Uh, in 10th place, we have uh, Baby Revs. 
New England Revolution 2. Woo! Baby Revs. That's presented by Riley. So, the Revs were kind of hard to research because, or Baby Revs, as you call it, um, because they've only been dedicated a little back page on the MLS site. Um, so, it was a little tricky to look at things for them, um, but it looks like they have had some guys go from um, Baby Revs up to uh, Papa Revs. <laughs> Um, and become full-fledged members of the MLS team. Um, and, you know, again, based off the results last year, I don't think anyone's really expecting much from them, but they did Giant beat... killers. I was gonna, I, that's what I was about to say. They did take down Greenville last year. So, um... And, and Omaha. And, and, and Richmond. Like, yeah, yeah, they they, they kind of beat Richmond like four to one. <laughs> those are those, in fact, were their only results, right? Yeah, the the only wins they had were were like the top three. It's sick. <clears throat> so, but yes, um, they they do have potential um, against the bigger teams. Um, so, it, it, I think the baby revs are. They might put a few games together, but they're going to be unfortunately inconsistent or inconsistent throughout the season. So I predicted a low finish for them, and I imagine the my cohorts have as well. Indeed, we did. What was with uh, Joe? What was with Joe Rice? Um, not not starting their um, their last match. Maybe that's why they got three put on them. I would imagine that, um, that I did not pay very much attention to that game, and I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I Joe Riley, that. you had one job. Did Joe um, Rice get hurt last year, or did they platoon keepers last year? I'm pretty sure they platooned. I think he got called up as backup keeper to Revs once or twice. Like He's not signed on a first team, but I think Revs got... And that might just be me completely <clears throat> bullshitting, but that sounds right. So, um, to bring it back, um, I, I don't have much on the revs. Their team site sucks and the USL one website also sucks. So they suck. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my, that's what I have on them. Um, the next team's a little more exciting, though. Well, what is the next team? Well, the next team on our list is North Carolina FC. And they're the only team that missed a player so bad that they had to drop or relegate themselves to the league below to see him again. <laughs> Mr. Austin P- Poncho. Almost messed it up. Almost messed it up. <laughs> Austin <laughs> Poncho. Choked <laughs> off. Um, but all right. Speaking of Austin Poncho, uh, I was texting with a certain member of this podcast today about this podcast, <laughs> and uh, he said the name Austin. I was like, "Wait, who's Austin?" As if it was a new signing, and <laughs> remember that that's Poncho's first name. That was a good day. Uh, that was fun today. I appreciated that. <laughs> I got it. 
Um, it's as embarrassing as the fact that I actually put New England Revolution third for some reason. But anyway, let's move on. North Carolina great FC. At picking teams. Yeah, and, and just a quick note I picked up on Mr. Poncho while uh, doing a little read up on him. He, I believe he's one of the few or maybe the only um, current Buho who has played in a U.S. Open Cup game. Rest in peace. Thought you guys would have something to say, but <laughs> Elma? Well, I think we're all I think we're all thinking in our heads. Is that accurate? Elma? I was pausing because I didn't. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't know if Elma played last year for or two years ago for Lansing. Yeah, and um, I, I can't. I, I think there's at least two more that are signed but not announced, and I don't know exactly when this is releasing. So, yeah. Oh, you know what? We'll fact check it after the pod comes out in a tweet. So uh, North Carolina FC is coming off of a uh, below mediocre year um, in the championship. Um, and so they decided, I don't know, was I think it was a financial situation. Um, they came down to USL1. And so now they're here with us. And um, crap, hold on. I had their roster up. <laughs> Oh, you mean their uh, academy roster? Oh, they're a two-team? Oh, that was uh, a... No, they signed like 12, 15-year-olds. Oh. Yeah. It was a joke because that was the way. Well, so I know they had uh, uh, their their uh, coach was with them that wasn't happy about them dropping down. Um, but he right. left them too, yeah. Uh, so he definitely left too. And then, um, like Luke said, I think they signed, I don't know how many teenagers they signed. It was, I think it's 15. I think they signed 15 Academy contracts. It was an, it was an insane number like that, but yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I think that they probably knew they couldn't keep a lot of the guys on their roster, um, for quite a while. So I, I think they just kind of, Cut bait and or I don't think the season's going to be much. So, but That's they are personally. probably they probably are the better team to root for in North Carolina. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, then then they're uh, well I don't they're not a two team yeah they're not a two team so no um, they're they're completely the independent of the uh, I mean was it independence the courage. But, oh, that's uh, true, Luke. That's fair. They could be the courageous two team. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I guess again, I don't have a whole lot to say about them. They're kind kind of a boring club, other than the fact that they signed a whole bunch of um, academy players. Well, honestly, it, they almost are coming across like what Tormenta wanted to do. I think that's kind of the model they're looking at. Is like. And they create their own little farm system down there and hope they can bring guys through. But who knows? I mean, I'm sure when we get to Tormento, I'm sure they'll be brought up more. But that's kind of the that's been yeah, kind of the also, issue. Also kind of an interesting rivalry they have with the new Charlotte franchise in MLS and like how they wanted an MLS team. And now they're in USL League One where three years ago they're bidding for an MLS team like that's a that's a pretty drop big drop in financial security there when they were bidding for an MLS team. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy what's gone on there in the past couple of years. Yeah, and I think they're yeah. like worried about, you know, you got to worry about being that close in the tier and not that 
like when I was on the berm on Saturday, um, and even Sunday when I was bragging, (laughs) well, some of us weren't out of town. Um, (laughs) but I was talking, I was talking with some members of parliament and we were talking about how, you know, there's a lot of people in the general public that really probably don't understand the difference between league one and championship. So North Carolina dropping down, people are like, Oh, who's this new team? Oh, they dropped down from championship. What does that mean? People don't really know what that looks like. And especially considering our success against two teams of over the last, you know, over the last couple of years, it's been, um, it's, it's probably hard for people to reconcile that that's technically a higher tier than what we play at. It's going to be interesting to see their, their dynamic and what the team wants to do, especially with the new coach this year, just see the style of play and the style of young players that are coming in. That could be something interesting to watch throughout the season. Not not to say that they're, they're not going to be as good as the top teams, but something interesting to see how their style of play uh, performs. Yeah, for sure. They were, you know, kind of in the all-over-the-place category. Uh, we had them, folks had them picked anywhere from 6th to 12th. Dang. I think no one knows what to expect from them, right? I mean, it's they're just that team. And yeah. out those people. Right. And seventh, Ryan, 12th, Riley, sixth, JR and Luke, 11th, Liam, ninth, and Rich, eighth. Sounds Is this the right. part where I defend myself? I don't think anyone needs to defend themselves. Well, I mean, I'm I, nearer the top. You're right in the middle. You're safe, Rich. I keep coming back to after sixth place considering that's playoff spots like does it really matter like seven to 12 it could be any jumbled mess of that and no one it doesn't really matter at that point yeah i think they'll be i i picked them seventh i think they'll be among the better teams that miss the playoffs that's a hot take that's a hotter take than what i was saying earlier that's a hard away (laughs) game too honestly yeah, Kerry. Uh, I mean, how is it any harder than Statesboro, Georgia, or yeah, new know, Richmond, Virginia, new, or new environment, new place to play? People have never played there before. But like, I so that's not true. Austin Poncho. Yeah, and I gotta think like Wake Med Park is one of the more Ooh. famous soccer stadiums in America. <sighs> like that. You just Austin dropped Poncho. the who. Is that a new signing? Uh, yeah. He is. He is. He's new. He's Austin. He's new. <laughs> um, but like, I, you know, for all we know, college soccer plays there. So any of these guys, if they ever played Wake Forest, um, I imagine there's other tournaments there as well. Like, I bet, I bet a lot of these guys have played there. Yeah, or at least some of them have. I mean, and plus, you know, it's it, you're flying into Raleigh. It's not like it's a tough trip enough anything else for the good of uh north carolina see i i just want to point out that out of the four teams we've gone through so far uh the team we spent the most time on has been north carolina fc so i think they intrigue most of us uh greatly yeah i was gonna say i would I, also I think say they're kind of the they're the the wild card i mean no one really knows exactly what's going to happen with with how they're going to play or where they'll end up at the end of the season yeah agreed us a non-two team fair support the independent yep. clubs except madison <laughs> Sorry. was that a bit too on the nose 
Nope, that was perfect. <laughs> Would they be yeah, classified as independent, even though they're uh, like an academy club for Chicago Fire? Uh, it's like they're a, an they're, they're an affiliated club. Yeah, it's affiliated. affiliated. Okay, yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so they're they're not actually a two team. They just occasionally get a fifteen year old goalkeeper on loan that saves their seat. <laughs> Wins ends up Just for young player of the year. <laughs> my, my mic quit working. Can you guys hear me now? Yep. Yeah, we got you back. Yeah, yep. Absolutely can, JR. And right. it's time for you to tell us about the South Georgia Storm, aka South Georgia Tormenta FC. I had a fun conspiracy theory about Carolina FC, though. Oh, please share. My conspiracy, you know, theory, conspiracy theory is that. Um, if anybody was keen to that one Twitter user who saw that Charlotte Independents were briefly listed as a League One team, that they were trying to move down first. And North Carolina FC jumped in and said, let us move down or we fold. And then they kind of like took that corner. Interesting. I like it. Just, like just a stupid theory. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. But um, South Georgia Tormenta. So thank you for giving me a team that actually played last year. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I tried to and, give everybody um, a good one and a bad one. Oh, but I, I remember thinking just last year was just season for hell from them, right? I mean, they seem to have the worst, um, worst, um, the worst dealings with COVID over the course of the entire season. They were probably indirectly also impacted the most um, COVID the entire season based on how um, the teams were able to deal with it. But they still, I was shocked to see that they finished in eighth place and still only lost two more games than they won. Doesn't it seem like they had mu a much worse season last year than that? Yeah, it does. You're right. But you go into, and then, Towards the end of the year, of course, they um, their coach becomes their um, becomes what their director essentially. They yeah. promote the academy coach from within. So first full season with a new coach, um, losing some uh, familiar faces. Nil Vinyal says he might not have been their best player, but he's probably rather more recognizable ones. It seemed like whenever he scored, he was always scoring a goal that was kind of like, wow, where did that come from? Um, but placing him and a couple others that dropped off with a bunch of players from their two team, I believe they signed five players from their two team and one Kobe Perez, who I believe started on Saturday. I didn't get it. 71 minutes. Didn't pay too close attention to that game. I might go back and watch it with a little more uh, focus again, just to um, just, just to give a little bit of a spotlight on him to see how he does, how he did. I always figured he was a second year player for us anyway. And I wonder if him basically sitting out a year is going to set his um, progression as a player back a little bit. Well, and I, I think too, for Kobe, he's from Georgia. So, I mean, I think that was a, probably a big thing for him too. I mean, I, I Sounds like there was likely some homesickness going on when he was here and stuff too. So I mean, I wish him all the best. Furthest he never is the furthest he'd ever been away from home. Yeah. So I mean, 
you know, and he's a young guy far away from home. You're in the Midwest. Then COVID hits, you're all alone. I, I mean, I get it. I, I wish him the best, but I agree, John. I, you, you wonder sitting out that long, what, what that does to guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Absolutely. And, um, and you just made me think Samwise Gamgee. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. I'm <laughs> desperately searching for this classic tweet about Kobe Perez. So. If keep I find going, it, I'll JR. please keep calling JR. <laughs> so um, I picked them to finish. I picked them to finish 10th because I still think it just seems like with um, direction they went from the end of last year to signings they've made to start the season. We all, we all love their, we all love their system and how they work. They have, they're, they're doing it the right way. They have an Academy team. They want to train them up, move them to the first team. Then maybe even, you know, if those players progress enough to get out of the league, sell them off, they're doing everything the right way. So I think, I don't think I'm alone when I'm saying that we're all rooting for them. But I, I think that they just seem like they're a year away. I picked them to finish 10th. I was surprised to see them finish this high in our composite. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I went, like, my top four. Then I went to, like, my bottom ones. And then I just kind of filled in the middle because I was like, I don't even know what's going to happen in the middle. But that, that's kind of how it works when you have just a 12-team league. You, you have four or five teams that tell yourself, okay, I'd be pretty surprised that they don't get the playoffs if six teams make it. Then there's three or four teams that, okay, these teams are going to be crap. I don't know how to specifically order them, but like you said before, when you're that low, what's the point? And then the rest of the teams are literally the ones that are fighting for that last playoff spot. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I found the tweet. Kobe oh. Perez. But I mean that's a strong Twitter handle, so we know. <laughs> uh legendary Union Omaha internet troll uh M A D A F K A P Ryan. Yep. Says this is poop emoji, exclamation point, exclamation point. A C A M a bleeping C A M or your press and defense. Uh, some sort of emoji. Sorry, flat face. Omaha, one of the original 13. Really a big Kobe Perez fan. Um, so he's got to be happy that he's back with Tormenta and Ooh. playing. Let's start a conspiracy theory that, that is Kobe Perez. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think we all get a tattoo of C-A-M capitalized somewhere on our body. <laughs> I mean, I got to say, uh, Kobe, like, Kobe is a awesome person and reached out after I was laid off. And uh, I really appreciated that. I think he's a good young man and I'm really happy to see him. Playing, and I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to having him back, but the important, I mean, part look, here, they got a, you know, a bleeping CAM down there in a uh, Tormenta. If everyone recalls on union Omaha signing day, there was one just Kobe stand, like who was so psyched that he got a pro contract up here. Just absolutely psyched. Wasn't great with grammar. Pretty sure that's our guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has like multiple tweets about into the empire. 
Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, he said, uh, but anyway, we don't need to read all these tweets, but there's, yeah, there's a bunch can, of them. Let's move on. Yeah. All right. Anybody uh, disagree with um, South Georgia Tormenta finishing uh, eighth in our standings? Again, I think they're a team um, like John brought up about about Toronto. I think Tormenta is a team that can can shock you. I mean, even we they weren't playing super great when we went down there and we had to slug out a draw against them. And then they came up to Omaha and we, you know, we beat them three nil. So, I mean, they're just one of those teams. I think they're hot and cold and they're going to be like that again. If they have five Academy kids on their team that they signed to pro contracts, they're just, they're young and inexperienced. So they're going to run through these hot and cold streaks that they're going to have. And that's why they can end up eight. I'll I'll agree with that, Ryan. Uh, but I I do think they are a bit of a dark horse, just just a tiny dark horse. So Riley is the Kobe Perez stand. That's what we found out. <laughs> <laughs> I would well, never admit okay. to something like that publicly. Well, speaking of admitting to things publicly, Liam, defend your placing them third. Um. Yeah, I think I placed them third just because of like. You know, they just seem like one of those teams that always wins, you know, and they didn't do it last year. But I mean, they just feel like one of those teams like you guys have talked about where they're just hard to play against and hard to score against, especially on that field that they play on. Seems narrower than most, not not as narrow as as Union Omaha's, but um, it seems just like a really hard place to play and win at. And especially with the full season coming back this year. I think their home games are going to be really important with them. If they can pull off some victories in the home, in the home specter, I think they can actually do some damage. But um, yeah, I, I I actually like them quite a bit. Well defended. Uh, so they actually were tied in our rankings uh, with Ford Madison, and if I'd thought more about it, probably should have put Ford Madison uh, in eighth place instead of seventh, but. All right, here they are in seventh place. Rich, tell us more about uh, Ford Madison. So if we all look back at Ford Madison's 2020 season, they had five wins, uh, six draws, and five losses. Uh, scored 21 goals across those um, 16 matches. Uh, so had a ending year goal differential of plus six. They have been a very interesting team to watch uh, with their roster because they've gutted their uh, defense. I mean, they've let go of three defenders, two goalies, multiple players uh, in the midfield are free agents now. One of them retired. They brought in a couple of uh, strikers, one of them from Reno FC in the championship. And they brought in a young player named Heath Martin. Uh, this guy's spent a bit of time with different uh, MLS um, academies. He was with DC United for a little bit. He was with Atlanta for a little bit. So they're really investing in their finishing because I think they wanted to finish higher than what they wanted to last season, and they just couldn't get there. I think they're a team that's on the cusp of making a climb in the standings, and I think that with the recent signings, they're definitely moving in the right direction. They even bring in uh, 
Let me wall up here real quick. Um, Jake Keegan from uh, Greenville, um, he actually moved up to Madison. And so he's going to add some experience and, you know, some production <clears throat> on that top line. And so I think that's going to be very beneficial for them, too. So I know it's easy for us to throw a lot of, you know, crap their way and uh, emphasize that rivalry that we have. But they're definitely a team to watch out for in the near future. I think the only thing for me, why I have a hard time getting them past this area and getting them in the playoffs is they're starting the latest out of any team. And they just started preseason matches. And I think, I think by the time we end up playing them that first game in Madison, I think we have five or six matches in between, you know, regular season league matches in between that. And so that's why I struggled with where are you really going to end up if you're starting that much later and everybody already has a month or I think I was talking to Tyler the other day uh, on, um, on Sunday and you know, we did the math and it's like seven weeks between when Fort Lauderdale and new England kicked off and when they have their first match. Yeah, that's, that's a huge gap. Yep. When, when we're talking about 12 teams, you know, one thing that does play into their favor is the uh, three teams that or four teams that were chosen to be their uh, their double up, you know, squad for this season. So they're playing Revolution, uh, New England Revol Revolution 2 twice. They're playing Richmond twice, uh, Toronto FC twice and Union Omaha twice. So with that mix, mix of teams, Maybe not with Richmond and Union, Omaha, but with the other two, I mean, they have some pretty easy chances to add some uh, points onto their standings. We have them four times, don't we? Um, yeah, we yeah, do yeah, have them four the, times. That's the yep. double up. That's the double up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, they're, they're new, they have a new coach coming in, too, which big change there. Looking at the guys they're bringing in, one of the reasons I personally don't put them that high is they're bringing in a lot of guys who are, yeah, they're early season veterans, but with the young blood that the the other independent teams are bringing in or the, the quality of the veterans the other teams are bringing in, it just doesn't seem like they've got what it takes to, to make that top six. Yep. That's I wanted to why this Jake Keegan signing head. The more the more I think about it, the more I'm flummoxed by it. Mm -hmm. It's so I mean we don't know if is I don't know if his lower production last year was either Greenville being able to spread the wealth because they had Lachlan McLean and you know they could rely on multiple guys to score, or if he's just on the other side of the bell curve. Isn't Keegan 29 or 30 years old now? Keegan is. He's, he's about to turn 30. Yeah, he comes um, So he moves to Madison as like a veteran to like, you know, take on some more of a veteran role. And Madison's striker that was serving that purpose last year, Don Smart, goes to Greenville. So when that happened, it, it, I, that, that confused me. I, I don't know what to make of it now. I think that's a classic Madison signing. We're going to get... Someone that seems splashy. Um, you know, we're going to pay him well to be an attacker. And then, you know, you had Daryl Shore running a 
we're going to put 11 guys 10 feet behind the ball system, right? Like, yeah, I think it's, I think it's BB front office and the coaching staff not being on the same page with transfer policy. And Rich, I'm actually, they scored, but when you think about it, they scored, Rich said they scored 21 goals last year, I believe. Is it 20 or 21? Eight of those goals were in two of their matches. And if it weren't for those two matches, their plus six goal difference goes down to minus one. We're That's a soccer ball team last year for the most part. But I'm I'm super shocked actually. Garbage watch. Yeah. Well, I, I'm actually just shocked that you said how many defenders and people they dumped on that end because that seemed to be the thing. I know they were putting a lot of guys behind the ball, but it seemed to be the thing they were trying to hang their hat on was yeah. Hey, we're not going to score a lot of goals, but we're also going to stop you from scoring goals on us. You know, I mean, yep. even even our matches against them, you know, one one draws and stuff like that. It just seemed like they were just going to slog it out. Unwatchable dreck. Hmm. So, Are they playing back in Milwaukee again? Has that been announced? No, they'll, no, be, they'll be playing uh, in Madison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what one thing that might have kind of slipped Union Omaha fans' radar is Xavier Gomez has been in camp with them. He was a featured trialist, name trialist, for their match against Chicago Fire, um, their friendly preseason friendly against Chicago Fire. So Their coach uh, would have been in Minnesota when he was drafted, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a second Union Omaha player never to – former Union Omaha player, never to feature for Union Omaha, uh, potentially playing with another team. As it sounds like they'd need him as a starter. I, I mean, I think X brings a lot to the table as a player. Um, I, I think it's, uh, well, anyway, that's... What he does right like away? X. I mean, again, he's away, he, just like Kobe Perez, he's been away for a year and a half. I know he's a little older. I know he's got a little more... Um, experience, but he, but he's four years out of college and has played one pro season. Exactly. Because the year he was the year he was drafted, he didn't play. He played in Lansing and he played for us. Uh, it, maybe it's, but he's played one pro season and he's three or four years out of college. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't want to disparage X too much. I like him, but um, look good. And another. Another and interesting storyline all season. <laughs> Another interesting storyline for Ford Madison is I can't. I I'm gonna butcher this guy's name, but uh, Gyro uh, Bariga Toyama. Uh, the guy was actually one of their most productive players last season, and he did all of his work on the left side. He was playing left back. He was playing left mid. He was playing left striker. I mean, he was all over the place on the left side, but. Since he's only playing on the left side, you're still leaving out two thirds of the field. So I'm wondering what they're going to try to do to incorporate him more in the offense this season. Yeah, that's a good question. No, so with, I, I with think lack with of Carl Craig. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with Carl Craig coming in, it's. We'll see. All right, now we get to the playoff teams, right, Ben? I just want to read one sentence from Carl Craig's uh, manager of Madison's Wikipedia page. Uh, Craig tattooed himself when he was 11 years old. All right, moving on. Uh, we are coming to the playoff teams. Um, maybe Liam could 
shine some light on uh, the other team in Chattanooga? Yeah, so uh, Chattanooga is our next team up. They finished 2020 in six wins, four draws, and five losses. That was 22 points, good enough for fifth place last year. Um, they lost two key guys that I'm not sure you guys know much about. Their names Greg Hurst and Connor Doyle. You guys know anything about them? No, I don't know. Uh, no. Re- relatively yeah. unknown. Melon, Okay, cool, because I didn't do any research on them, so we'll just bypass them. Perfect. <laughs> Good, um, yeah. Okay, um, but they brought in, so they lost a bunch of forwards this offseason, so they needed to rehash that. And one of, their, one of the key guys they brought in is this guy named Raphael Metzingen, and he comes from Memphis in the, in the championship. He's 24 years old, he's Brazilian, and he scores a bunch of goals and creates a lot of assists. So he's really strong on the well, right wing. They've never had any players like that, so know, maybe it'll be different for him now. He's really strong on the right side. He can play midfield. He can play right wing. He can play right forward. And he loves to cut inside and use his left foot, whether to dis- distribute to teammates or to just rifle run at the top of the box. So he's going to be like their main marksman uh, for the whole season. And they brought in this guy, this other guy from uh, the Mexican second tier. His name's Jonathan Esperanza, and he was actually a USA U18 player. He played in five games for the USA U18s in 2017 before going pro uh, and played for uh, his parent team uh, in Tijuana, and then he got loaned out the next two years to the second tier of Mexico. He's a defender. He's really strong, loves heading the ball. So he's going to be like uh, kind of a big target to look for, especially on corner kicks and, and things like that. So um, Chattanooga lost a lot of guys in the offseason, but those two guys are going to be, if they play well, those two guys, that they Chattanooga could be really dangerous to play with. I think those of you that um... – I know I picked them higher than six. I think those of you that picked them lower to bring them to this position, I think you're going to regret it later. I think they have the potential to be really good. Uh, I, I was talking to Gary. He invested in some night vision goggles for our guys. So <laughs> I, I think we I think we can handle it. And well, uh, I mean, as, as I was doing research over this, like, I know jokes all side, but those renderings of that whole soccer complex that's going to go on in Chattanooga look pretty awesome so if if they things go according to plan, it'd be it would be pretty awesome to see hey, liam uh your grandkids might get to enjoy that development at this pace yeah and <laughs> and and also uh chip nelson's still blocked right that's that's what i'm uh, pretty sure sorry, sorry. we, we refer to him solely as chip deripa on this podcast yeah, yeah 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 at chip deripa is still blocked um so interesting <laughs> Chip DeRipper is still a catfish, by the way. That's not his real profile. One hundred percent. He's not going to uh, be very JR, happy. You just leaked that information. You want to? You want to hear? So everybody except Rich and I had them in the playoffs. You had them highest at fourth. Jim had them lowest at sixth. Everybody else had them at fifth, except me, who put them at eleventh. And Rich, you put them at ninth. And I think I'll defend myself on that. I think all of the drama around the departure of Doyle and Stephen Beatty and Greg Hurst, um, I, I think 
gives me no faith in their coaching staff. Um, but I do think it's possible those players and the coach didn't get along. Coach went out and got players that fit his mold, kept players that fit his mold. And, you know, I, I think I have them pretty low here, actually. I think they'd have to play the entire season with 10 men to finish in 11th. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. There's or a, that's one of my... Or did we have my, or what did they end up last year? Final standings? Finished fifth. They finished in fifth place. The game I mean, in so, hand, but I don't think they yeah. could have finished in fourth of that game, right? No, they couldn't. But either way, last year they still would have made the playoffs um, because we were doing, it was six teams last year. Initially, that was the until COVID. So, I mean, you know, most of us thinking, okay, they're still considered a playoff team, even though they've completely reloaded, especially on their attacking side. I don't think it's that out of, you know, it's not that like we're like going, it's not like we took Greenville and we said, okay, now they're going to finish sixth. Like yeah, a team that finished middle of the pack last year, we're all pretty much for the most part, except for two outliers picking the middle of the pack again. It sounds like next time Ben just needs to take away an outlier from the top and an outlier from the bottom to have. I should have let you, I should have let you do this math. And maybe I, maybe in my head, I swapped any, I don't know. I made some mistakes in mine. Rushed through. Like <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> uh, anybody else have anything on the other team in Chattanooga? Um, just um, I'll, I'm actually going to this game. I have some. I'm from the South. I have some friends, um, in Atlanta, and we're gonna make the trip up there. So I'm looking forward to having a good time at that match. We look forward to seeing you on ESPN Plus. <laughs> well said. If it I if totally it doesn't could. black out. All right, like uh, J Mims on April 1st, I'm going to go ahead and call my own number uh, on this one for the fifth place finishing team, FC Tucson. Um, a newly independent FC Tucson. Um, 2020 finish, a sixth with six wins, six losses, four draws, and 16 points, and two really fantastic, enjoyable games against Union Omaha. I will say, of all the opponents we played and beat, uh, multiple times i liked those tucson games the best they were exciting entertaining and we won both of them um i think their biggest loss they lost a lot of players uh, as i were talking about before the pod um i struggled a little bit to figure out how many players exactly they lost because there was so much turnover but i think most notably they lost co-joint goal leading goal scorer josh Cohn, uh who went back to his hometown club of ncfc uh, and he scored four goals for them last year for incoming players um, had at least I counted at least 11 to 13 new players. Um, I want to highlight three of them that seemed pretty interesting to me. Uh, Gerard Lavrengen, uh is a Dominican Republic international. Um, and Noah Frank is a defender who went to Creighton um, coming over from the Riverhounds. And then uh, Franco Perez is an Argentinian who's coming in on loan. He's 26 years old, so one of the oldest guys on the squad. Um, and he plays forward. So I think oh, they, they have picked up some interesting new players. Um, and I think in terms of some interesting things about the club, I'm interested to see how going independent affects the team. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at like really interesting opportunities within the league, um, you know, I know if I had a chance to 
go help build one team right now in the league. I think Tucson's in the most interesting place. The, the club's 10 years old. It has tradition and roots in the community. And finally, they're unaffiliated on their own and have a chance to really dig in and build their brand in a league they fit well in. Um, they're a really young team. They have two guys who just turned 27 uh, in 2021 as the two oldest players. Um, and then, you know, they have Shaq Adams, who is, I believe, the most exciting player in USL1 that is not on Union Omaha. And uh, that's all I got. Uh, I'd like to add that they, uh, was it Noah Frank, who is the former Creighton? Uh, ah. former, or former Union Omaha trialist. Interesting. Yes. Um, apparently against some of those games against Phoenix. Yes. <laughs> Tucson road trip is always, in my opinion, going to just be the one where crazy stuff can happen. It always seems like it takes a team a half to get adjusted to playing. I'm not sure if it's in the stadium. I know lighting seems kind of friend at that stadium. I don't remember if Liam was saying the same thing about Fermenta uh, about that or not. Um, obviously, the climate's probably different from the majority of the uh, climates in USL League One. You have the time difference. It's just they, 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 they definitely have some sort of an advantage whenever they're playing at home, regardless of if there's fans in the stadium. Absolutely. Um, so, Riley, cut this out. If I need to fact check but I'm going to say it anyways. I think his name is actually Noah Frankie, if I remember correctly. So um, I don't know if you guys need to fact check there, but I, yeah, I think his name's Noah Frankie. Wait, That's you did, you did I research? Mean, uh, you I know, mean, it's the, spelled the, F-R-A-N-K-E. Right oh, you Liam, know what? Liam, my name is Legrand, not Legrandy, so I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know what chose not to sign him so i don't need to worry about how to get his name exactly accurate i like it uh all right uh moving into the top four liam talk us through north texas yeah so this is the team that i mean has been pretty dominant over the past couple of years especially as a, as a two side um, and so in 2020, uh, we felt like uh, they were really far behind us, uh, by us, I mean Union Omaha, but, but they really weren't. Seven wins, six draws, and three losses, that's 27 points. Only a couple points behind us for second place. Uh, so they finished in third place. But the really exciting thing that happened over the offseason for them was uh, their involvement in Bayern Munich 2. Um, and so... One of their best players, uh, Justin Che, is a defender, and he's overtraining with, no, 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 it's, with Bayern it's Munich pronounced too, right? It's pronounced Justin Ch. <laughs> that sounds right. Okay. Is, is that, this is, is going to be the rest of the pod. I'm dropping right? off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, one-time joke only. Um, so, like, he's, he's over there right now in Germany. So it's going to be interesting to see if he comes back after loan this summer and rejoins. Or maybe he goes back to the MLS parent club. Uh, only time will tell. But um, another couple of the outgoing guys, Ronaldo Damus was one of the best scorers for uh, North Texas. 
And uh, I mean, a lot of people might remember him from the from the you know altercation that occurred with Union Omaha. I don't know how you guys want to you want to touch upon that. Uh, some people no. deserve an. Try to kick. Sh- yeah, he tried to kick Sheed. Yeah, I remember. Rashid okay. already touched upon him. Yeah, Rashid had to do what Rashid had to do, and we back him. Right. I, I feel like you, you understand this. It, oh, some understand. people deserve an elbow. Oh, of course they do. Do they always get them? No. <laughs> Especially ugly people. But that's not... That's not, that's not <laughs> <laughs> um, and so... And so... Uh, North Texas actually added like a lot of Liam. Your narcissism good. is showing. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of good young players. So one of their best players that's going to be starting right at the get-go, I, I, I'm pretty sure, is this guy named Alejandro Viniegra, and he's 19 years old. He's a Mexico U20 player. He's coming from the second division of Brazil, and let me tell you, this is a trip down YouTube. So there are all of these really big Mexican national team fans that have created hype videos for this guy. They call him <coughs> the Mexican Neymar because he has dual citizenship with Brazil. And all he does is list like tricks and stuff like that on the field. And he can also score and pass the ball. So if you're interested, look him up on YouTube. And a lot of Mexican fans, the El Tree fans, have YouTube accounts dedicated to this player. So it's actually going to be really fun to watch. Um, and then they, they, they added a couple other players, uh, like very young players, like 19, 20, 21-year-old players um, that are defenders, and, and they're going to see the field too. Um, so they're still going to be reloading and, and doing well. And I think one of the another big things is uh, – Globe Life Park is where they play, and if you guys haven't noticed over the past couple of weeks, uh, that's where uh, the baseball team play uh, the Texas, uh, what do you call it, Rangers, Rangers, Texas Rangers play, and Wrong. they've sold out every game. So Used to it's going to be, re- it's gonna be really interesting to yep. see like stadium capacity, see how many people show up for these North Texas, uh, these North Texas games. I mean, uh, they play in the, the former Rangers stadium, uh, but they were getting about 2,000 people a game last year, I think, because they have... It's like, COVID that, safe? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually. Um, so it is. They, I, I realize there's sarcasm in my voice, but 2,000 yeah. out of 20, that's safe. Yeah. Well, yeah, totally. Uh, FC Dallas wasn't able to have as many fans because they were technically playing in a smaller capacity stadium. Because yeah. uh, Globe Life was fixed up for XFL, uh, RIP, maybe? Uh, <laughs> Thank you, The Rock. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But. Luke, North Texas I guess I've seen that. The playoffs. North Texas for me is, they're like the Spurs. You're, I'm just going to keep on assuming they're going to be good yep. into a season until they aren't. Well, and let's be real. What happened last year, they – we're not doing so hot to start the season. And then miraculously guys started falling, coming back to the team that were either on loan or were up with the first team. And then all of a sudden they had that huge push towards the end of the season. And we, we brought up the guys that they have been uh, over in Germany. And when that loan ends yeah. and 
Yeah, especially knowing FC Dallas, they got a lot of guys in the midfield and on the wings that oh, are already yeah. on the first team. What are they going to do with another guy like that? They're going to drop him down to the two team and who knows in June or July, all of a sudden they get a couple guys back and now they look like a completely different team. Yeah. And it's even scary looking at their schedule uh, because they face a pretty tough road with the three teams that they double up with. Um, one, they have Chattanooga, not too bad, but FC Tucson and Union Omaha, those are going to be four tough matches for them to, to go through. But the Chattanooga ones, they not, not, aren't, they're nothing to sneeze at either. I, especially, for, yeah. I mean, any trip for them is a difficult one, but with the distance that they have to cover, but I think, plus they were getting Richmond or Greenville as well. Chattanooga, I don't think that's, I think that's trip. To I have North have. Texas, I have North Texas finishing high end. That's even going through the schedule that they have. And they have one of the best coaches in USL one. That's Eric Quill. Like that dude. <laughs> A dude knows how to work his system around his players, and he adapts his system really well, too. He, he changes quite often what, what he sees on the field. So Eric Quill's like a really solid coach. Mm -hmm. Ben, to, to get back to that question. Not... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, another trash. Uh, Tucson. <laughs> uh, honestly, they, they've got so much in their development pipeline, but my my dark horse this year is tucson like i i think tucson is going to finish much higher and that leaves only a certain amount of room and i think north texas isn't going to they've got to play two times with us which they didn't fare well the one time uh, i imagine with our team being even better they're not going to fare well two more times so that's just a couple more losses I'm figuring in. There was definitely a hard fought game down there, but they still didn't walk away with all their points. Mm -hmm. They got one point out of six from us. Exactly. I'll defend it. Anybody else? Anybody else have anything on uh, North Texas? Yeah, I don't really know that we can ever call them a dark horse since they finished first in 2019 and then third last season. So, I mean, I don't think that they're going to be a dark horse. And I, I think it's, it's a difficult argument to make them a dark horse as well. Yeah. They're, they're the one, two team that I have, um, I have some respect for because they don't run it like a two team. I mean, yes, they can have guys drop down from the first team and stuff, but I mean, out, their branding is uh, looks enough different. They play at a different stadium, but they, they just run it like they are an independent team in a way. And so I have a lot of respect for them, but I think that's why they're more successful than the other two teams because Dallas doesn't use them to just develop guys. They use them as a team that's going to go out and win, knowing that if guys are winning and playing well, they're going to develop really well too. So, yep. No, they're an FC Bayern uh, Academy team, right? Yeah. FC Bayern 2 Academy <laughs> team. So they're the Academy team's Academy team. No, yeah, he's with there. the U nineteen squad, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah on, the, on their U twenty three squad, I think, right now. Oh, is it but okay? Still, there, the fact that we played against a guy who's going to join a team that's not in the European Super League, um, no, <laughs> that, 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 that's great. Uh, that's that's a third pod for this week. Uh, Richmond kickers. 
projected by us to come in third. Ryan, tell us about him. Yeah, so uh, Ben and I were talking earlier about how uh, long we did research, and this is part of why my research took a long time, because the kickers have had uh, quite the offseason. So last season they finished fourth. They had eight wins, three losses, two draws, finishing with 26 points. Um, One of my two storylines I came up with was actually um, part of why they ended up finishing fourth, which is, you know, last year they had that run right in the middle of the season where they beat us, they beat Greenville, they had a really nice run going through. And my, I guess one of the questions I had for this season is can they sustain a run again? Because then towards the end of last season, they really had a few stumbles. And uh, Elliot Barr, who, who does the River City 93 pod, I remember listening to his pod and, and seeing his stuff on Twitter. And he's like, nope, something's going to happen. We're going to fall apart. We're going to fall apart doing the doomsday thing. And, uh, and sure enough, they fell apart and dropped from second to fourth as the season kind of went on. And really, if you think about it, dropping like that, that was only three losses and two draws over the whole season. So it wasn't like they had a lot. Um, as far as outgoing players, they actually had 14 outgoing players. Um, they, uh, I think notably Riley Kraft, uh, which was a name that was brought up a lot. He uh, left and is currently still unsigned from what I could see. Um, they outside a defender, Akwe, who was really good for them last year, and he actually went up to USLC. And then uh, another midfielder that is now playing in Ghana in their Premier League. So I thought that was pretty cool just to see. Um, of note, they have brought in 11 new players. Um I found this interesting just because they have played of their 11 new players. Um, <clears throat> quite a few of them were actually either on the bench or started for them in that first game against the Revs, uh, including um, a guy from OCB who's a defender. They also brought in a guy from, uh, from Argentina that was in some Academy team down Academy teams down there. Uh, JR brought up, brought up Mill from Tormenta. He's playing for them. He was an unused sub. And I think probably most uh, notably, because a lot of us follow our team closely, uh, Nathan um, was actually an unused sub on their bench uh, for that first match as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, here's the thing. The other, the other storyline that I see is they brought in a lot of, uh, of goal-scoring help. And so I guess the other question I have is they had last year's golden boot and MVP and Terzaghi. And, um, you know, what, what does it look like? Cause they, they really don't have to rely on Terzaghi as much to score 10 goals and to kind of carry the team this year. So does he repeat what he did last year? Or does he become more of a distributor? What does that look like? Um, they scored three. No assist. Yeah. No assist last no year. Assist. I don't think well, he's going to start. I don't think he's going to start now. Well, he started their first, you know, he started that first match. I mean. No, I don't drink. think he's going to start assisting people now. Oh, no. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I, I did find it interesting, too, that they scored three goals against the Revs, and he did not score for them, but the guy uh, had a guy come on late um, for him. Um, the, his name was Olex Anderson. He subbed in, and he actually scored in, like, the 95th minute for their third goal, and he was Terzaghi's sub. So, you know, they have guys, they're going to score goals. Um, we don't know what the Revs are going to look like, so maybe 3-0 against the Revs isn't going to look that great six weeks from now. But, you know, if, if you brought in firepower to get more goals and to 
maybe up your chances of where you're going to end up in the playoff race, then starting off with a 3-0 win isn't a bad way to do it. Love it. Any questions? I mean, do we think Terzaghi's going to be as good? I don't, I don't think he ha- I, I think the hard part is going to be judging how good he is in relation to what they brought in. So if everybody else is playing really well around him and that may, means he's more of a role player, does that mean that he regressed or does that mean that they brought better players in? I think that's what we have to kind of have to judge him on this year. I mean, they, they brought in a guy from, uh, they brought a, another guy in from South America who in a hundred appearances has scored 35 goals, um, who started with him yesterday, uh, or on Saturday. So, I mean, you know, they, they brought some people in that can score goals and maybe part of that was, so they don't have to rely on him as much. And he scored as many goals last year as he did in the previous nine mm-hmm. seasons of his career. Well, and they've been playing him a little bit out of position last year too. I mean, you know, just out of necessity. I also, I Richmond, I know we haven't gotten to the player things yet, but in my opinion, Richmond has one of the top three goalkeepers in the league, uh, maybe top four. I think Fitzgerald's a really good goalkeeper. So I think and that, that's going to help him a lot too. I think, I think they, they, they still have the setup where if they're pressing – I don't mean pressing isn't tactically. I mean pressing isn't feeling the pressure. They're just going to be in a lot of games with a lot of goal score. You might see a lot of three twos, three threes, four threes in matches they play. Not to not to knock Kira Fitzgerald. I think he's great too. But I think just sometimes it just seems like they can play in shootouts. Well, and I, it's interesting because I, I know numbers don't always match with what it is. But Ian Antley went from number two to number five. So I didn't know if that meant, are they moving him in the middle um, where, Ant, you know, Ian Antley was, I mean, he was, he was an out, you know, he was a fullback for him. So did they move him in the middle to solidify the middle more because they brought in a fullback or is it just a number change and it doesn't really matter, you know? So how does that change your, what your defensive setup is like? Well, Richmond is one of those really well-coached, uh, squads in the the league. Um, what's his name? Darren. Sawatsky. Oh, what? Yeah, Sawatsky. Uh, he does a really good job of advancing the team through the the field as a unit. Uh, he doesn't just send the the strikers up and then leave the the mids and the D to just sort of you know meander the field uh, after they're all done, but. I mean, he gets that entire team moving as a unit up the field. So they fill the second and final third very quickly. So I think that gives a lot of chances for Terzaghi in the final third. And if you see a lot of the goals that Terzaghi scores, when he swings his leg for his shot, he swings it really fast. Like he doesn't wind up very far and he still generates a lot of power. So in a lot of those loose ball exchanges he can pick it up quickly and score it quickly so i think that's going to give him a lot of chances to climb that you know golden boot uh standing this year what's interesting about him though is when they started having him play up top and try and play like back to the goal target striker his production went way down 
and that goes to just what you were saying, Rich, is he's a lot better when he can pick the ball up uh, or it's a one-timer, that type of stuff. Because when he tries to play back to the goal, possession, turn and shoot, his production went way down. His shots were off. He, he didn't have the same accuracy. Yep. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's if they have guys that can really play at the top <clears throat> of the formation and he can drop back a little bit, that may you know, that may help him a little bit more stay right in that range too. Yep. Fun fact with Sawatsky, uh, in 2019, he was the coach of Tucson and left Tucson mm-hmm. because they were a two team. I mean, yeah, what Tucson. To, yeah. Good. Well, I, I mean, what he's been able to do at Richmond had Tucson been independent then, Mm-hmm. It just that would have been an absolutely crazy team to to go at. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Luke and I had that conversation either over the phone or text in some way, shape, or form a lot between like December and February because as we were talking, like you know, as <laughs> as Ben and I were starting to be on the pod more and stuff, it was like if if Tucson had done that, it, yeah, they would that team would be a completely, I actually, I think we probably all would have Tucson a lot higher up if Tucson had been an independent already. I mean, some of us did. They are now. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, second place finishes, Luke, uh, talk us through the Greenville triumph. Uh, they're a terrible team. They, they stole a championship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, in all seriousness, them, being second is, I mean, probably unsurprising to, to most people listening if they know anything about the league. Uh, like us, they brought back a huge core of their players last year. We talked about a few who've um, moved on, but then they brought in, you know, solid veterans from, from the league. You know, Don Smart moving there. I, I think... They, they have a coach that Ben is a huge fan of. Um, just absolute biggest, biggest fan. Mm. Yeah. I love, I love people who make up stories. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Hey, I mean, they're storytellers. They're, they're the future. Uh, but really, I, I think we're going to be looking at, again, a very tough, <laughs> tough defense where, where we struggled against them last year, and not to say that we struggled against them particularly, we we had just they had this arguably the best defense in the league um, for amount of goals allowed. Uh, Dallas J is the second best goalkeeper in the league. It, it Guam International because Guam great footballing territory. But I, I really, really don't think they're going to be as much of a challenge this year based on who their overall development, unless they make some big last-minute signings to, to really compete with us um, and with Richmond and with Tucson um, throughout the season. Yeah, I, I agree, Luke. I think the... Um if there was an arms race for players in league one, um, they kind of fell behind the pack a little bit there because, you know, we, we went and got, got some guys that can score goals. And then, you know, we've talked about Richmond and 
Tucson about how much they've changed. I mean, I, I think you can, I think a lot of us put them at second because, well, one, I think a lot of us put them at second because we all probably picked Omaha to finish first. Um, but not I also, everybody picked not Omaha everybody. to finish first. We'll That's talk fair. about that in a minute. But, Thanks, JR. But I, and Liam. I also, and Le- damn you, Liam. That's <laughs> what happens when you're in Kansas that long. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think Greenville is just, it, it, they're one of those teams that, it wouldn't shock me to see that. I know they were in the final two, well, two years ago. They're in the final last year. They were going to be in the final against us and they were far and away the best regular season team you know, points wise. And they had a healthy lead, but I, what have they, what have they brought in that, you know, I mean, that it almost seems like complacency of, Hey, we've had a really good team. That's been first or second place the last two years. So there's no reason to believe we shouldn't continue to do that with the guys we have here. If Don Smart is how you compete with Greg Hurst, then. Yeah, I was I was actually going to touch upon that. I actually like Don Smart a lot. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, I, I actually like him. And when they added him, I was like, OK, I, I, I can get behind that. Um, and I also just because spoiler, I picked them first doesn't mean I have them winning the end of the season tournament. Oh! I just, have, I just have them winning the regular season points, folks. There was no clarity amongst the overlords of the quiz on what we were talking about. So Internet quizzes are always valid, accurate. There we go. Valid critique. Yeah, but, uh, so. No, this was regular season. Exactly. And I actually, yeah, so like I said, I think, I think that John Smart pickup was good. And I think that John Smart loss for Madison, I, I wasn't able to touch upon, is really bad for them. Honestly, I think, I think them losing John Smart at Madison is actually a bigger deal than Greenville picking him up. 100%. Yeah. Like, uh, I think Greenville could have just kept everyone from last year and still made a run for the top this year. Um, Basically, but, what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, Don, more, more Don or less. Smart Golden Boot. I couldn't laugh. I couldn't say that without laughing. But when you when you when you look at the one match we had with them last year, it's it was fascinating to see that they they played their normal game until they fell behind. Mm-hmm. Then they turn. We score our first goal. They turn it on, and they basically just turn it on until they found an equalizer. And then they kind of just went back to their normal flow. And then when Evan Conway scores, he gets the lead back. They just turn it on again, and it was just fascinating to see how they could just turn it on. I'm not gonna say almost score at will. Their first goal didn't come too quick after Christian Molina's goal, and of course they didn't score the second goal, but they just peppered shot after shot after shot. And it was just a frantic last 15 minutes to hold on to that win. That, that uh, honestly, in my opinion, should have been the match that won knew who keeper of the year. Cause that the fact that he kept the things out that he kept out, I mean, he was standing on his head those last like 10 minutes. Yeah. What was it there? Madison with Ilal's like knee save to, to save, uh, save our final. That was great. I, I think. think. Yeah. I think it was Madison in stoppage time. I, I mean, it wasn't going to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Like but our, it did. I, I think it did. Out of nowhere. Anyway. Yeah. 
I mean, regardless, our defense uh, on that game against Madison last year won us the game uh, more than our two mm-hmm. just absolute bangers did. Those are the prettiest goals that we had all season. Yeah. Well, I, no, I think I think Greenville is the the warning for what I talked about with Richmond of is is winning three nil against New England a, a really a good prediction of what how you're going to score for the rest of the season because <laughs> Greenville started absolutely on fire. Morell scored a bunch of goals, you know, and they looked like they were just gonna be scoring goals left and right. And then all of a sudden they forget that Morel scored two cheap ones. Eh, Anyway, whatever. Well, but I guess need to rehash the past after, after that though, Greenville kind of went back to who they were, which is what JR was just talking about is for a defense first team. They, they really, you know, they're, they're fine. If they get a one nil lead, they're fine. Just sitting there salting the way again, the way the game, you know, and, and relying on that defense. And then, even against us, they go down, they go, they get their goal, and then they're back to, okay, we're, we're cool with getting a point here because we know that our defense is that good. Uh, and, you know, and that part of that is they have Dallas J in the back, but part of it too is the guys in front of Dallas J make him look really good. Yeah, they That's- have a very, very well-oiled machine, and they have a formula that works. They set their back line right on the 18 and then their midfield is maybe a step or two in front of them but they fill the windows and that takes away any and all shots from outside the the box so you have to either make a miraculous shot like union omaha did last season or you have to find a way to penetrate the box with those diagonal runs or overlaps or whatever um because they will suffocate you and once yeah, they get the ball, they're going to sprint the other way. Bill, yeah, that distribution comes straight from Tyler Pollock. I love watching that guy play. That guy is a beast on the wing and knows how to find his teammates at all times. Like, that guy, that guy is the reason that they create that well-oiled machine from the back line. Yeah, I agree. Do you mean Nebraska native um, Tyler Pollock? Good <laughs> native Tyler Polak. You know what? Second best left back in uh, League One. That is true. So speaking of second and first, uh, I think that leaves one other team, which would be Union Omaha, which we can do a preview of later. Um, are we ready to move on to awards? Yes. All right. So what I will do is I will, in reverse order, read out the results of the award. So I'll, I'll say three names, third, second, first, and chat about how we feel about this a little bit. So uh, do we want to go least important to most important or vice versa? Basically, do go you want to start or end with the MVP? End with the MVP. Yeah, yes. end with the MVP. All right. All right. So uh, we're going to start out with Young Player of the Year, Loosely defined as an under 23 player. Um, the third place uh, vote getter was a 15 year old uh, currently playing for an MLS team that none of us have ever heard of. Um, the <laughs> second place player was Jonathan Bolaños. Uh, is that that Mexican Neymar? No, he's he actually he plays for Richmond. And he yeah, started. Fair enough. For, 
And he started for Richmond uh, on Saturday. Nice. And then uh, Michael Vang is uh, who sort of consensus second place pick, but he won the award for us for young player of the year. Cool. Right. Yeah. No, no objections. I mean, Hard to I argue, Michael Vang's going to have much of a chance to to be young player of the year playing for Madison, but no. <laughs> I mean, does Justin share? Does he have like a shout? Like if he comes back, I know he's ah. defense, but does does he get a shout at least? The the things I've realized about um, league awards, at least from the league's level, I know this is us voting, but from the league level is um, they rely on on offensive stats for every position except for the positions that don't require offensive stats. So well, any, yeah, so young player is going to probably go to some kind of attacking player, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so for coach, third place on Harks. Who? Second, exactly. Second place, uh, Darren Sawatsky. And uh, first place, almost unanimous, Jay Mims. Jay there we go. Mims. Thanks, Liam. <laughs> yep. it was Liam <laughs> did he put Harks first because we can't have yeah, one he put Mims third he Mims third Dude. Hey, man. hey if we're just trying to base off of what USL Liam, Liam. Does, you know they're not, they're not correct all the time what, when was the last time the water in Atchison was kicked <laughs> honestly I, no I didn't even I didn't even have Harks in my top three I didn't either. Uh, so for goalkeepers, um, there were only two names. But I found a third one, and I like it. Matt Turner. Um, Alice J, yeah, second Rose. place. And uh, Rashid Nuhu. Whoa, I, I threw in Akira Fitzgerald in there. Uh, th- you know, there were a few. Well, let me see. It might have been I, I, so I overwhelming. Akira Fitzgerald just, uh, third, too. You know, it's ben didn't like your decisions. <laughs> ah, yes. Okay, here we go. Um, Liam, once again, ruining everything, picked yes. Matt Turner second, and Ryan and JR picked Akira Fitzgerald third, and so I gave the nod to Matt Turner instead of just going with the tie. <laughs> because he got a second-place vote, that would be the tiebreaker. Okay, fair. Uh, right. You you just made that up on the fly, but I'll, I'll allow it. No, oh, no, no, no. I made it up on the fly at, when I was doing this at dinner. But I, I would also say, though, that uh, that at least one one of those two um, has some experience and probably has a better shout at making making the top three than the other one. But yeah, for sure. It'll be a Kara Fitzgerald more likely to be third than I, Matt Turner. I almost put him third, but I put like Joe I like then. Matt Turner just because of sitting behind his goal at the game last year and taking photographs of him just like yelling at people constantly for no reason. <laughs> I love that. Oh, uh, I want to give a shout I, out to you guys real quick. Uh, over the weekend when you we were playing uh, Sporting Kansas City too, you guys were heckling that goalie and I loved it. Oh well, yeah, well you know that's. That's what we do. Yeah. I don't know if you heard about the creeper keeper chant. <laughs> one of my one of my prouder moments last season. And that guy on blast. 
All right. Uh, he's he's retired and like working at a tech firm now. Anyway, uh, defender of the year, just to prove that I did have inconsistent logic to this. Uh, we had a third place tie because I wanted to get Dami Vieter in there. Yeah. Um, place tie between him and Brandon Fricky. Second place, Tyler Pollock. And third or first place, Lal Osamanu. Yeah. Good work, boys. Love it. And I'm pretty sure everybody wrote his name a different way. (laughs) (laughs) Not true. Liam and Rich put it the same way. Yes, let's go, Rich. There we go. (laughs) Proving that a bunch of of, uh, white adult men. Well, no, I I went with his full name. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, you missed missed an extra L in Elal. Okay, well. (laughs) Yeah. I, but you know what? None of you wrote an entire article about him and spelled his name wrong every time. So, ha. Huh. <laughs> I, I really try to shoot low, record. Ben, but I can't shoot that. <laughs> I feel like collectively we're having one of those John Travolta moments where we're supposed to say Idina Menzel and we're like, Aziza Menzel. Put it on the record that Luke called me an adult male. That was Ryan. So I got your Luke you are a mulleted child, Liam. Mulleted <laughs> child. <laughs> you, you have uh, to work. For... You have to work harder to get praise from Luke. Work harder than that, Liam. I think you just got a new Twitter handle. An adult male. <laughs> no. no. Mul- at, at mulleted child. <laughs> <laughs> so right. for assists, I didn't even bother. It was such a jumbled mess. Didn't even bother coming up with a second place. First place, far and away, included on every person's ballot in either first or second place, except one person who chose not to include him, Ethan Vanacore Decker. <laughs> now, Ryan Legrandi, oh, yeah. why did you not include EVD? Legrandi. Justify your pick. <laughs> okay, so um, some something. So did you did you want to tell him who I picked for first place? Kevin Conway. Hernan Gonzalez, Damia Vader. Okay, so part of the reason why I picked Evan Conway was because I, I had a conver- I had a conversation with uh, somebody in the know recently, like this past weekend, and he told uh, Luke and I that Evan may have put on about nine pounds of muscle and is working on his holdup play, and, which is helping a person that I picked to win the Golden Boot um, to make the runs that he likes to to make, and so. In my mind of a four-four-two, if Evans holding the ball up and Greg Hurst is making runs into the box, Evans playing the ball off to Greg quite a bit, and there's goals coming from that where Evans getting assists. I also think that Dami and Greg are uh, working well together. There was a uh, really nice play in the SKC two match when Greg first got on. That if Dami had seen him about a half second earlier, it would have been an easy ball through to him and an easy goal for Hurst. Dami just kept the ball at his feet a little too long, and then the defenders were on him way too fast um, for him to get the ball out. So it's not that I don't think that EVD couldn't be that. I just think that if Jay's playing Evan and Greg next to each other, that sets up Greg very well to get a lot of goals, which means Evan is probably getting a few assists. Love that. Thank you. That was great analysis. Thank you. Golden boot. So, uh, third place, Emiliano Terzaghi. Second place, Lachlan. Not good enough for J. Mims McLean. 
And first, na 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 na. na. <laughs> Greg Hurst. Greg Hurst on fire. I, I, so, I'd really like to insert um, that I probably should have answered JP based on his preseason performance. Oh that, my that, god. It is somewhat surprising that uh, Union Omaha's own Frank Lampard was not included here, but um, oh my, he this was is for the league. Parallel to the, he was parallel to the ground for his second goal on Saturday. Parallel. All right. All right. It's killing me that I missed the one game that's not going to be on TV all year. Um, all right. MVP. Seems like all of us learned our lesson from last year's voting debacle. And so we have three exact same as the Golden Boot, Terzaghi, McLean, and Hurst. And uh, it was very enjoyable uh, for all of us to think we were making a cheeky MVP pick for Greg Hurst. Um, and then, you know, oh, not no, be. I, I 100% did it because Terzaghi got the Golden Boot. And one MVP, and it happened the season before that. So yeah, I, I mean the league league picks goals over over actual on field performance. I know I wrote two thousand words about it. Um, where where can we find well, those? W well my Twitter profile one. It's my pin <laughs> at Union underscore Omaha underscore Ben, and also W that'll take you right to WGAHmedia.com. I want WGAHmedia.com. I want to give a shout to my guy. This is the reason. Marco <laughs> Vicoletto. I think he's going to be real nice. He's going to put, I had him as my top assist getter and I think he's going to do, I think he's going to be the reason why Tormenta plays well this year. I appreciate your ideological consistency, Liam. Thank you. Thank you. There were no asterisks <laughs> telling me what not or what to do. So that's why I did it. It's great. We want a diversity of opinions. So, all right, well, that brings our uh, league to a close.